0: Your Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. We're in a series right now called Worth Fighting For, and this is a relationship series through the book of Ephesians. And last week, we were really in part one of this sermon. Last week, we saw the beautiful design and the role of submission from the wife that is in marriage. And today, we're looking at part two, where we're going to see husbands love your wives as Christ has loved the church. Ironically, I'm a little bit more apprehensive about preaching this sermon today than I even was last week. I know it's kind of funny to think about, but as we saw last week in that in that sermon, when you understand what submission is biblically and you take away all the distortions out there and the false views of submission, it's something that I've I've really never met a lady who isn't for it and isn't like excited about it and thrilled about it. And today we're going to look at one of the most challenging passages in all of scripture and it's it's not going to be easy. <laughs> it's not going to be easy for the men to hear this. So we're going to connect verses 22 through 24 with the rest of the chapter all the way through verse 33. And I told you last week, this one's going to be more spicy. And I told all the ladies, I was joking around, bring your men. They're not going to want to miss it. And yes, this will be hard hitting. It's going to almost be like getting crushed by that safety over the middle of the field at times here. You might feel that way, man. But I want you to hear this. I'm not here to just pile on. In my tone here, I don't want it to come across as straighten up and do right and get your act in gear. I don't want to be that drill sergeant who's yelling at you, right? I want to instead take the same approach that we see God the Father taking throughout this whole book of Ephesians, where instead of just crushing you and making you feel insignificant and, oh man, I'm a loser. I'll never be able to do this. I'm so far off from this. Instead of that approach, what do we see from from God in this whole book? We see him calling out your true identity, calling you up, like this is who you are in Christ. So I know, there's, I know there's a way you can look at this passage as men, and you can just feel small. You can feel like a failure, but I also know that you can look at this the way God looks at you, and you can actually quit being a kid, um, and you can grow up and be the man that God has called you to be. So... That's my approach. That's what I want to say. And if you're not challenged by this message, I'm going to probably have to just resign because this should be challenging for all of us. All right? I am challenged by this. And I don't want us to miss that we cannot do this on our own. We have a long way to go. But let's take the same approach that God has with us, see what God's word says about being the right kind of husband. Now, Ladies, before you kick your feet up and get the popcorn out and, and get your elbow ready to start nudging your husband as, as this sermon is all about him, I want to point out a couple quick things. Last week, we talked about how, as a husband, his, if, his, if he's just saying, hey, lady, you need to submit to me right now. I need you to submit. Like, that's a really bad approach, and that's not what submission is all in the Bible it's not what it is at all. That, that shouldn't be happening, right? Instead, we said, hey, make affirmation, loving affirmation, the soundtrack of your marriage. And when you see him being a leader, when you see him making these action steps to love you and pursue you, you compliment that. The same way we did that, that's the same kind of thing that I want to do here for the men. And I also want to say, ladies, that you're going to see a list here of attributes for the man, for those of you who aren't married, Like, this should be a new checklist, all right, of marriage material checklist of what you're looking for in a man. And on a heavier note, I also know some of you are probably thinking as you look at this passage, wow, I don't have a man like that in my life, or I wish the man in my life was more like this. And I know that that can be painful and a little bit disappointing. You can feel like you've almost missed out on something. And here's the truth about that. Right now, this current season that you're in is not going to last forever. And God can use anything to change your man. He, is, he can definitely be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So my encouragement to you is just to stay strong. Don't give up. Realize that your man has a lot of good positive attributes. You probably wouldn't have married him if it wasn't for that. And God can do a miraculous work in his life. So you ready to go to the text? Who's ready to get into the text? Say, let's go. Let's go. All right. We're going to start in verse 22 again, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ that she respects her husband. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. That's where we're at today. And last week, yes, we saw this whole other side of submission from Jesus Christ that pictures the represent, the, the submission that wives are to have towards their husbands. We called that sermon Replacing Robin with Wonder Woman, and it was ladies, if you missed that, go back on our podcast, go back and listen to that, because you aren't a sidekick. You have complementary strengths. You are equal, and you form a pair that shows the world and everyone who's watching a picture of the gospel. Now, today, we're going to focus primarily on the husband, and I think as we read this, it's not really a question of, of what am I supposed to do? Most of us have heard Husbands, love your wife as Christ has loved the church. We know what to do. That's not the hard part, right? Really, the hard part is, how do we do this? How can we actually pull this off? And I think it's interesting. Ladies, you might like this. Um, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not trying to dunk on the men all day. But But in verses, the first three verses for the ladies here in this passage, right? There's three verses. It's 53 words. And then for the men, we have seven verses with 126 words. And then, of course, we have two concluding verses, 32 and 33, that sum up the whole thing for both of us. I don't know what that's saying. What is the Holy Spirit saying there? That's up for you to decide. Um, have fun with lunch at that one. I know sometimes the men have to hear something three times before they get it, but that's not me saying that. Um, again, just, just take that as, as you wish. But, the, but I love that this passage is so simple and direct, right? If I'm going to go to the grocery store, it's really helpful to have a simple and direct list. Uh, I don't need like, you know, vague ideas because then I'll just come home with everything. It looks good to me. And it's even better when Julie gives me the Target app and she says it's on this exact aisle and I know exactly where to go. Okay, I can find it on this exact aisle. That's the kind of list we have here. We are going to see exactly how... You as husbands can love your wife as Christ loves the church. And here's the first way. Point number one, sacrificially love your wife by looking to the cross. That's verse 25. Sacrificially love your wife by looking to the cross. Now, before we go much further with this, we really need to define the word love because love means a hundred different things in our world today, does it not? I mean you love your dog, you love uh, you love your sports team, you love everything. I mean we love Ingalls guac. it's it's all good, right? There's love is so overused in a sense that sometimes it's even lost its meaning. Well, in the Greek, there's actually the, the ancient Greek, there was six words for love. They had six different nuanced, specific ways to look at love, and I think it's really helpful. Two of those, Words are never even found in scripture, so they're not as well known, but I'll, I'll show you those right now. It's this, Ludus is, is, a, is a version of love, and it's a playful love. This is kind of like, it's described as like dancing with strangers to music. It's like, you know, I'm just playing with my dog, or I'm going nuts for a sports team. That's the kind of love that Ludus is. There's another one here called Falashia. Didn't probably pronounce that right. I really don't know how to pronounce it. But it's a vain self-love, okay? This is is an ugly sort of love. We have four more, though, that are a little more well-known. Eros, which is a sexual passion, and this should be in the marriage. This is very much in a healthy marriage, and that is not the version of love that we have here in Ephesians 5.25. Another version for, for love in the Greek is storge. And this is familial affection. This is like the love that a mother has for her child. It's such a beautiful kind of love, of that deep family love. We also have phileo. Phileo is a deep friendship. It's the same, word, same way we get the word Philadelphia, brotherly love. And this is an interesting one because this isn't primarily the way God portrays his love for us in scripture, but there are a few passages that talk about how God loves us with a phileo love. It's not just a choice, but he actually loves our personality. He loves the person, the unique person he created, and he wants to be your friend. He even, he even says that specifically, and he's way out of our league. We don't deserve a friend like that. He's way above us and beyond us, but he loves your personality. And he loves you with a phileo sort of love. But again, that's not the love that we have here. You may already have guessed the big one. The version of love that we have in Ephesians 5.25 is agape love. And this is a choice. It's an action verb. It's not a feeling kind of thing. It's a do. It's a. It's a I care for you. It doesn't matter that you're not doing anything for me. It doesn't matter that you're running the opposite direction. I'm going to run after you anyway. And this, this isn't something I'm going to fall out of. This isn't something that's just going to fade away. No, this is me making the action decision to put you over myself and love you. And that's the version of love that Jesus had for us on the cross. That's the version of love that husbands are supposed to have for their wives. Think about how Jesus sacrificed for us on the cross If you want to just turn like a page or two over to Philippians chapter 2, it's the very next book. Philippians 2, 1 through 8 show us this sacrificial love of Jesus Christ as he came to this world, as he humbled himself, he submitted to the will of the Father, and he came in a rescue mission for us. This is what Philippians 2, 1 through 8 says. his power, his authority, and he humbled himself by taking your sin on his own shoulders and giving his life for our sin. That's the way we can have a relationship with God. Faith in Jesus Christ, finished work on the cross, is how we begin the life that God has created you to have. That sacrifice on the cross is what men are to have for their husbands, or men are to have for their wives. And husbands, you are primarily, I knew this was going to happen eventually. I just knew that was going to come in. But husbands, you are primarily the initiator of, of restoration in your marriage. You're primarily the one who says, I'm going to sacrifice, I'm going to forgive. You need to be taking the lead in that. From this passage in Philippians 2, from, from 1 Peter 3, we see that even if you're only partly at fault, even if, even if she's 99% at fault and you're 1% at fault, you should be the one going to her saying, hey, I'm sorry. As a matter of fact, don't ever play that percentage game though, because the percentage game never is gonna work. Um, you know, I can, I can do something, Julia can do something, we can have an argument, and I've, I'll just tell you from experience, like I could be 70% wrong, and I can apologize about, about what I did. You know what, I wasn't, I wasn't looking at that right, I overreacted, I'm sorry. But do you have anything else that you'd like to like to say? Doesn't go well, all right? You just get it out there, say, I'm sorry. I did not love you the way Jesus Christ loves us. Will you please forgive me? You put yourself out there and leave it alone. Just And then what is she left with? Well, I mean, you've already taken your mess off the table, and now she has to work on, on it from her end apologizing, saying, look, I want to do better, and here's where I messed up, that's the approach husbands should take with their wives. And I know you're thinking, well, David, this is really hard. This this sounds so tough. Here's the trick. It's right here in the text. Be motivated and moved and inspired about what Jesus Christ has already done for you, the gospel. Keep thinking, that's how Christ loved me, so that's how I can love her. We don't love in order to gain a response. We love because we are already loved by Jesus Christ. That's the reason why we should be loving. And the bulk of marriage books and, and, and conferences, and there's all kinds of information about, out there. It always, well, I, say, I should say always, but usually it has this idea of an exchange. It's like, all right, well, if you do this for her, here's how she will respond And here's the problem with that. Agape love isn't an exchange, is it? Doing acts of service as an exchange and calling that love is not agape love. It's actually a mutually beneficial contract. And and that's not I'm sacrificing for you. I'm giving everything I have for you. Give 100% of yourself. That's real love. And that's what Jesus Christ is did on the cross. If you are trying to love and you're doing it out of your own goodwill and you're not doing it out of the inspiration of this is what Jesus Christ did for me, you're going to run into some serious problems. This goes even beyond husbands and wives. This goes beyond marriage. This goes into life group. This goes into raising your kids. This goes into like at the workplace. If I'm just trying to love people and I'm pouring myself out there, you're eventually gonna come to a point where you don't have anything left to give, and you feel used, and you feel run over, and your tank is empty, and it's not being filled. The only way to truly love like this, agape love, is to look to the cross, what Jesus did for me, and be so fired up and excited about that that you're overflowing. It doesn't matter that this person doesn't have to give me thanks. This person doesn't have to give anything back I'm just so overwhelmed with the fact that Jesus loved me. He died for me. I have to share that love with other people. That's the kind of love that we all need, and especially in the marriage. Sacrificial love for people needs to come out of that overflow where we look at Jesus Christ. He sacrificed for me, and in response, I want to sacrifice for other people. Husbands, this means when you come home, it's not, hey, what's for dinner? Instead, it's, hey, how can I serve? What can I do for you? How, how has your day been, and what can, I, what can I help you with? You know, this whole idea like, well, who worked harder, I worked harder, she worked harder, that's, that's just a ridiculous concept. We, we need to just chuck that out the window, Okay. I can work really hard at work. I know a lot of men in here work incredibly, incredibly hard. I also know that your wife works really hard. And I know there's a lot of different dynamics, work schedules, all those kind of things going on. I understand that. There's a lot of variables at play. But for the majority of us and a lot of us in here, like, if your wife is at home all day with little kids who don't listen to her and and drive her crazy and... That's that's not easy, you know. I've I've been there before, where like, whoa, Julie, well, you know, they spilled something. It's all right. Let's calm down. Like, but here's the thing, I haven't been with these crazy kids all day, right? We need to show grace and compassion and realize everybody has it hard. And as a husband, you are to love your wife. One of the prime ways you can do this is by sometimes just saying, "All right, I'm going to go wrestle with the kids." All right, hey, you know what, honey? You've had a long day. I'm going to go over here, and I'm just going to make dinner right now. I'm going to take that off your plate. You don't even worry about it. And husbands, we should be going to bed every single night tired, not just because we did our hobby and we did our thing. It's because you work hard. you You provide food on the table, and you're also, when you come home, you're not done. You're not just kicking your feet up relaxing. You're going home to serve again and you're serving your wife and your kids. This is the kind of love that Jesus Christ had for us. If we don't fix our eyes on Jesus, we're not going to be able to do this, men. We're going to either give into selfish passivity, where we just like don't care, whatever, I'm going to just get over here in my corner and do my thing, or we're going to give in to selfish aggression, and we're just going to get angry about everything. We have to fix our eyes on what Jesus did for us. Let's look at verses 26 and 27, though. We're going to go into the second way that you can love like Jesus Christ loved you. 26 says this, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Husbands, your second point here is, Spiritually uplift your wife by speaking truth. Speaking the truth that you find in the word of God over her. The direct command from the text is to love your wife by sanctifying her. You see that? That that brings up a few questions, I'm sure. So we got to talk about this concept for a second. It is deep, and this is crucial for all of us to understand what this means. If we could back up for a second, last week, one of our subpoints under under submission was submission is not dependence. And we talked about all the different things that submission was not. It's one of the reasons why it was like the longest sermon I ever preached, <laughs> because there's so many misunderstandings about that. It's very important for us to see what the Bible teaches as submission. But that whole point was, look, dependence isn't a bad thing, first of all. Your entire Christian life is a life of dependence on the power of the Holy Spirit you're dependent on what Jesus did for you to have life to begin with. We are all dependent on God to be who we're called to be, right? Let's not mix that up. So dependence isn't a bad thing. But the whole point there was, ladies, don't let submission be something where you think, oh, well, I just have to depend on my husband to do, to do right. And I, I need my spiritual leader to help me in this area. No, like, that's not what I was talking about. We saw in scripture that at times, ladies are going to be the ones who spiritually strengthen their husband. They're going to be the ones who give the example. They're going to be the ones who, like, say some things that need to be said if their husband isn't following the word of God, right? We saw that. So submission isn't dependent on the fact that I'm dependent on this man to, to make sure that I do the right things and make the right choices. No, that's not submission at all. Submission is on, G- on one man, the man, Jesus Christ. Now, that was not in contradiction to what we see here, because what we're seeing here is one of the ways that a husband should be loving his wife is that he spiritually builds her up. And just in Life Group last week, it was great. Uh, we were talking about this, and a lot of the ladies spoke into this, how the marriage is healthier. And things go so much more smoothly when he is taking those spiritual steps to pray, to read scripture, and to guide me in my relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, you're, you're going to shine light. You have no excuse not to shine your own light. But it just works so much better when we follow that blueprint that God gives us. The word sanctify is such a churchy word. But it's also in the Bible, so we actually really need to understand what it means. It means set apart. And you can, in the New Testament, just say that an easy way to, like, describe this is it means you become more like Jesus Christ. It's the process of changing from your old person, your old self, to become more like Jesus Christ. And husbands, the way that you lead your wife spiritually is very important. You are either, honestly, you are either pushing her towards Christ or you're pulling her away from Jesus Christ. And there's really no middle ground. This phrase in verse 26, the washing, verse 26 there, the washing of water with the word, cleansing her. That's an example of what Jesus Christ did for us. Jesus did this for us. He gave us a new identity. He gave us new life. The, The word there is the gospel. Here's a question though. Think about this, guys. What if your wife's identity was based off of solely what you said to her? She didn't hear she didn't hear it from anybody else. There's no other Now there are other sources out there that are speaking into her and telling her how how amazing she is and how pretty she is and how important she is like She's going to hear that from somewhere, but let's just say, for, for the sake of illustration, she wasn't hearing that from anyone else. What if she only got her identity from what you said to her, what you spoke to her? How would she feel? When she was going through a hard time and she was in a painful situation, would she be able to look at the fact that God loves me no matter what? Would she be able to see Jesus Christ and what he says is true about her? or would she just like let all these doubts and fears swirl in her mind if the majority of what you speak to her and talk through with her is not pointing her to Jesus Christ men you're not loving her the way you should be loving her you should be uplifting her by speaking truth And I'll tell you what the end result of that is going to be. You know what what will be the byproduct of a husband who speaks truth with his wife, who prays with his wife, who points her to, I know you're feeling this way, but like, remember, this is what Jesus did for us. What's going to happen if you do that? Well, I tell you what's going to happen. You're going to have a much more healthy, robust, dynamic marriage, that's for sure. Just like that triangle image where, you know, you start with like two different people on the bottom corners, and the closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other. Happiness, laughter, everything else you'd want from a, from a fulfilled marriage, wink, wink, all those kind of, kind of things are going to be so much better when husbands love their wives this way. Follow that blueprint that Jesus has. Verse 26, yeah, you see it right there. You aren't her savior, but you need to pray for her. You need to share scripture with her. And you know what? Your best ammunition isn't your wit. It isn't your logic. It's you explaining truth about Jesus, simply pointing her in the right direction, giving her space sometimes, let the Holy Spirit work and move. These are the kind of things that you need to do, men. It's going to be graciously sharing the living, breathing word of life, what we have right here. That's what we need to be doing. We have to do this. And I'm really preaching to myself right here because I am slowly learning this one. I mean, this is a hard sermon to preach because none of us can pull this off perfectly all the time. But we need to be making strides towards this. You know, I hate it when Julie is hurt. When Julie's feeling down, I wanna just get in there and fix it. That's just my nature, that's my personality. I wanna I wanna solve it right now. And I wanna like turn lawyer mode on and show her all the ways that this is accurately correct, and you need to think this way right now, but that's not gonna help her. Men, we need to be patient like Jesus is patient with us. We need to be gracious the way Jesus is gracious with us. We need to show her the word and back off. That's the best thing you can do for your marriage. So do you see how this passage is not just telling us what to do, it's telling us how to do it? Are you with me on that? Isn't this helpful? Well, here's the last point, point number three. Become one with your wife by loving her like you love yourself. This is verses 28 through 31. I'm going to read that again. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. All right. Loving yourself. This may sound slightly off to a few of us. You know, we might like hear this whole phrase, loving yourself, and oh, what? what, Like, is that, is this Felicia? Or, like, well, what's going on here? Let's talk about this phrase because honestly, for as long as I can remember, I have heard people talk about, you just got to love yourself, man. You know what? I, I, I was struggling, and then I learned I, I started loving myself and my problems rolled away like a lot of people will say that and talk about this concept and honestly it's not quite accurate okay they're not really what they mean to be saying is probably not doesn't need to really be defined by that phrase because a lot of well-intentioned people will teach this but what they're really talking about is don't live in shame over the things that you've done that have been mistakes that's what they're talking about. Because look at verse 29. Look at verse 29. Does the Bible assume that you love yourself? Verse 29, again, it says, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does his church. This is important that we understand this. You do love yourself, okay? The Bible assumes that we all love ourselves. We we cherish it. We look out for it. If you actually hated yourself you wouldn't care that you did something wrong. You wouldn't care the way you looked or you would be glad that you looked ugly. You you follow what I'm saying? The fact that you're upset, like, I don't like this thing about my personality. I don't like this about myself. The fact that you don't like that means you care. And the fact that you care means you love yourself. So we have to realize, yes, I do look out for myself. I put my best foot forward. I try, to, I try to do the right things. I try to get healthy. I try to get rest. I try to get to sleep so I can be the best person I can be. That same concept of self-love in that natural sense that's assumed is the same way that husbands are to love their wives. That's the way you love your wife, by becoming one with her. So again, how do we love ourselves? Well, I just talked about it. But you realize there's some things that I need to do to shore up some areas of my life. I need to take this approach to fix this problem. And husbands, with your wife, you need to ask the question, how can I set her up for success? Because you're loving her like you love yourself. You're one flesh. How can I make her evening more relaxing? When you truly become one with your wife, and you're not just focused on your own needs, but instead you're starting to focus on her needs, that's when the world looks at your marriage and their jaws just start to drop because they've never seen anything like that. So often in marriage, we find ourselves in a bad place because we're just focused on what the other person is doing or we're just focused on what the other person is not doing. We are supposed to flip that on its head, and our focus should be on what can I do for her? What can I do for my partner? Flip it. Don't just focus on what she's not doing. Focus on what she needs and then do that for her. Men, that's our calling right there, and that's how Jesus loves us. Worship team, you can come up here because we're uh, winding this passage down. But I love that in this text, we don't even really need an illustration of this. There's no illustration that I could think of that would do this justice than the illustration that we already have right here. I thought of a lot of illustrations this week (laughs) to try to describe this. I mean, I won't even go into them all. Chocolate chip cookie illustration, just sounded cheesy, okay? I I thought of an illustration about like the fact that I had the wrong pillow for like two weeks because my boys took the pillow off my bed and I had this really cheap old pillow that was just, just nothing, it was awful. And then I found the right pillow yesterday, and I, and I uh, or two nights ago, and I used that, and it was just so much better. Everything clicked the right way. There's a lot of ways that we could paint a picture of this, of this role of submission and sacrifice that we see in the text, but nothing comes close to showing us the metaphor that we have here with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, and husbands loving their wives. Last week, we ended the message with this look that marriage is a beautiful portrait of the gospel. Painting that picture. Husband, you play the role of Jesus who gave his life for the sake of his bride. Wives, you play the role of the church. You're accepting that grace, that love, that protection, that honor. And when you do this together, when you become one flesh, You glorify God together. We often think of marriage as the reality and Jesus Christ and the church as the metaphor. But do you see that it's actually the other way around here? Jesus Christ and the church is what's living forever. That's never going away. And that is the perfect reality. Our marriage, where the husband loves the wife and the wife respects the husband, That is actually the metaphor of the reality. Jesus Christ and his bride is the song. Your marriage is the cover band. Jesus Christ and his love for the church is the voice. And your marriage is the echo. The meaning of marriage is to show everyone this metaphor in living color. Jesus Christ gave it all to you sacrificed his life for you. And men, when you do that, when we paint this picture and we see that Jesus Christ submitted to the will of the Father, Jesus Christ sacrificed out of love, we become unified and we start working in perfect harmony and unity. Would you stand up? We're going to pray about this. We're going to respond and we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to move in our lives right now. This song that we're going to sing is a prayer, and I want you to respond to Jesus, the moving of the Holy Spirit through this. Lord, we know we're weak. We know we mess up, but we see the plan that you have for us, and it's so beautiful. Lord, we cannot do this on our own. It's so overwhelming for as a man to think that I can love my wife the same way that you love me, but you've commanded it we are asking for you to give us the strength to do that. May some of the men in this room change the way they look at their marriage. May we stop looking at it as this, in a sense of what's in it for me? How is this benefiting me? But we start choosing agape love and sacrificing for our wives. Elevating her. Doing everything in our power to show her love. It's to make her a more beautiful image of your son, Jesus Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing, church.
1: Is all around that the Spirit of the Lord is here? Overflow in this place, fill our hearts with your love. Change now for the spirit of the Lord is here. here in this place. The evidence is all around that the spirit of the Lord is here. Oh, the atmosphere is changing now. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around that the Spirit of the Lord is here. Overflow in this place, fill our hearts with Your love, Your love. Spirit of the Lord is
0: the evidence of men who have changed their lives is literally all around this room. It happens by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ making us new. There are men in here who used to live selfish, passive-aggressive lives, consumed with making money, doing their own thing their way. And when Jesus enters the equation, he shakes it all up. And now there are men who sacrifice for their wives. I know every man in this room is challenged right now. I am. I've been preaching to myself. I just want to invite you to respond right now. If you need to talk to the Lord about this, you can come up to the front and you can talk to the Lord about this. If you would like to talk to someone else specifically right now, I just need help. I I want to be a better husband. You can step back. Got, Got some men back there that would be glad to talk with you. I realize there's ladies in this room. This hasn't just been to the husbands, right? We're talking about sacrificial love that we're all called to do. Some of you ladies, you've probably been pouring out love over and over as much as you can, and you feel drained. You feel like you have nothing left to give. The same truth applies to you. Look to what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That's the only way we're gonna get sustaining motivation to do that. If you need to respond, don't walk out of here today without talking with someone, without taking it to the Lord. Let's pray about that for a minute. Father, we are so thankful that you pursued us with sacrificial love, that you chose to love us. Thank you, Jesus. It's amazing that we look at ourselves, we see our faults, we see our down, downside, but you also love us with oh love. You love our personality that you gave us uniquely. Everyone in here has a plan that you have specifically crafted for them. And a lot of us have a story that has had rough patches and twists and turns and awful things. God, you can make all things new. You can turn the worst thing into a platform to show more of your glory, to share more of your love. That's what we're asking, Lord. We want to be a church that goes out displaying the picture of the gospel in our marriages, sharing abundant overflow of love to everyone we come into contact with so that people turn their head and they think, what is going on with them? Lord, give us the opportunity to then share the truth of what you've done in our lives. May we speak truth in our marriages, speak truth in our homes, speak truth to each other, and remember what you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love it, church. This, this is about as good as it gets. in. Uh, in a, in a relationship series, because if the man gets this, that is going to be the key that turns every single piece in the home the right way. Next week, we're going to have the kids with us, and we're going to be looking at children obeying their parents in the Lord, Ephesians chapter 6. <laughs> yeah, let's get your kids there next week. That's right. But uh, this has been such a good series. We've got a couple more weeks left in it. And... I'm just grateful that we get to do this together. We get to go through God's word together. Let's close with our verse, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. It's our prayer for you. You are loved.